Here comes Schofield. Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. You can do it. The penetration. Taken away by Hagens. Williams lobs it up. Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. Once Williams draws the double, hesitates. Extra feed. Oh, look out! That's a man's jam! Admiral Schofield! Hey! I love you! What? Nothing! Suck it, man! Get down! Good morning, afternoon evening, brunch time, lunch time, just had a bug in my throat during the intro time. That's not ideal time. Spring football time, gone time. Spring basketball time, doesn't exist time. Basketball drama in the spring, does exist time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you once again from the Fort Rucker sunroom, which is not, of course, the Fort Rucker Studio, still working on getting the flooring fixed in there because that has been an ordeal. And if you heard some podcasts in the past week, you'll hear that same complaint from me, so I will not do that right now. I will just tell you that I'm sitting here live on a Monday night, live as I'm talking into the microphone, not as you're listening to it, because you'll be listening to it on a Tuesday morning, and I'm sitting here in the Fort Rucker sunroom, but I am not by myself in this podcast. Thanks to the majesty of Al Gore's internets, I am joined by Grant Ramey at the Blount County Satellite Office of GoVols 24-7 down there in Blount County. What's up, Grant? I'm here. Oh, you're here, that huh? Counts. Yeah, that counts. I mean, it's Just close here. enough. Yeah, you know, it's... Just, yeah. Just here. Yeah, it's... People say... People say too much sometimes, so I'm just here. That's <laughs> true. Uh, although it's funny, we, we had the delay in going to you, and then we also had the delay uh, or the the crack in my voice, the gargle in my voice in the intro. So probably our best start to a podcast, I think, but we'll go ahead and leave it in there because why not? The world is imperfect, and so are we. Even the professionals at GoVoss 24-7 do make mistakes now and again, not just Ryan Callahan, although he does make most of them. Grant, it has been... A really, really fascinating week or so for Tennessee basketball because just when we thought things were going to settle down a little bit, Rick Barnes decides he is not going to go to UCLA. He decides he is going to stay at the University of Tennessee. We had a podcast bringing you that news, breaking all that down. But just when we thought things were going to calm down a little bit, Tennessee has a press conference. And in that press conference, Rick Barnes proceeds to be about as candid and honest as awkwardly honest as I think you'll ever see a coach be in that sort of a situation. Uh, I was sitting there, you were sitting there, Grant, we both heard it. Rick Barnes said point blank period dot end of sentence, end of paragraph, end of chapter, end of book, end of encyclopedia, all of that stuff. He said point blank. He would have been the coach at UCLA if things had worked out better with the buyout, which you don't usually hear a coach go uh, to that level, but we were there and we heard it and wow. How about that? Yeah, when you sit through one of these press conferences and the normal kind of cliche coach stuff is said, uh, uh, you know, I thought about this job, interviewed with them, whatever, if they're willing to admit that, uh, and just felt like I needed to stay at this school for whatever reason. Uh, When you leave that press conference, you think, well, if I could give this dude some truth serum, uh, what would he say? 
what would what would really be the reason that he stayed here he didn't take this job there uh rick barnes kind of there was no reason to say that after the press conference he had because obviously it felt like there was nothing to hide there uh because of all the details he put out there and and he said it uh the first time uh you know, he, he mentioned, I can't remember what the quote was word for word, but basically the bio got in the way, couldn't be worked out. Uh, and that kind of opens your eyes and makes you sit up straight and think, wait, what, what did he just say? Uh, is he sure he wanted to say this? And then later in the press conference, uh, he got asked basically again to clarify, what, what do you mean by that buyout comment? What would have happened uh, if that buyout would have worked, if it would have been worked out? And he said, I think I would have been the head coach at UCLA right now, which is pretty uh, stunning to say uh, when you're still employed by the University of Tennessee, you know, in good standing, getting a raise, you know, all that stuff, getting an extension, trying to build on the success you've had. Uh, you've basically said, uh, sorry, honey, I tried to leave you. Uh, found this other girl. She was great, but it didn't work out. Uh, so I'm just going to come back and be happy here. And, and that's the reason it didn't work out, which is uh, in any other scenario in life, it's insanely awkward to think about. Uh, and he just kind of said it in front of uh, God and everybody, pun intended, I guess. Yeah, that would be a pun intended with, with Reverend the right Reverend Rick Barnes. But here, I, I've pulled up the quote here. And, and again, we probably could play the audio, but we'll go ahead and just, just go ahead and, and act like I'm Rick Barnes telling you this right now, because this is verbatim what he said. He said, quote, to be honest with you, it got down to a lot of praying that went into it. I can tell you that. There was a lot going on. When you get down to a situation like that, it has to make sense from a financial standpoint. It does have to. The bottom line is we just really couldn't work it out with the buyout in terms of what was going to be part of that. So that was the quote. And I know that when interesting things happen in a press conference, you can tell because reporters almost kind of perk up a little bit. Like you look around. And, you know, a lot of times if I'm sitting next to you or around you, I'll kind of look at you and be like, wait, did we hear that right? Is that is that what we thought it was? And so a couple minutes went on, but you knew we were going to circle back to this. And and Barnes was given a pretty good chance to clarify that. And, and I thought when he did that, maybe he'd walk it back a little bit. Maybe he'd be more sensitive about it. Uh, but he was asked point blank if the – I want to make sure I understood you here, Rick Barnes. You're saying that if the what hap- what would have happened if the buyout had been worked out? And he said, I think I would have been the coach at UCLA. Point blank. I mean, he he went out there and said that. And it, what's interesting about this is on so many levels, I, I think people do need to understand this. When you're growing up as a kid and something means something to you uh, and you have a dream and then you have a chance to go live that dream, uh, that does mean something. And, and I think Rick Barnes, he did grow up right there in Hickory, North Carolina, but he grew up like most people his age who were basketball fans, idolizing the ground that UCLA and John Wooden walked on. There was no question about that. He did. And, and then you get to that situation where he goes and he gets an opportunity maybe to go take that job. And I get why you would listen. You know, you say, hey, you've already got a good thing going to Tennessee. Why would you want to uproot your family and move 3,000 miles for for a place that historically is a much better job, but maybe right now isn't a better job than Tennessee? Uh, but he grew up having that dream, and he had a chance to fulfill it, and so he he had to go at least consider the possibility. I think everyone could say, okay, you know what? I don't love that, but I understand that. Uh, but then to come out and say that if the buyout had worked out, you would have been the coach at UCLA uh, – 
Tennessee people are not going to like that. They're not going to be, they're not going to like being someone's fallback job. They're not going to settle for that. They're not going to enjoy that. Now, if you win enough, that's fine. But to come out and say that, I appreciate the honesty. I think most people appreciate honesty. But if you're a Tennessee fan, I don't know how you react to that because the bottom line is he's still your coach uh, and, and you're happy that he stayed. But does that put an asterisk on everything now? That, that's, that's the question I keep getting back to is in this society where we forget everything that doesn't happen five seconds ago, you know, we're all like goldfish swimming around in a bowl going, oh, you know, hey, look, there's that. Oh, hey, look, there's that. So in that world that we live in now, is this going to boil over? Will there be some other controversy that takes its place? Or is this going to be something that just kind of festers in people's minds anytime things don't go perfectly with Rick Barnes at Tennessee? I think uh, one of two things happens. Either you keep winning at the rate that, that he's won at the last two years, uh, which has been an unprecedented rate for Tennessee basketball uh, in terms of the win totals for the last two seasons, and it's going to be hard to do that because you're probably without Jordan Bone uh, and you're probably without Grant Williams if he gets a first-round grade uh, through the draft process. Uh, so losing those two would, would make for a really tough 2019-2020 uh, season. Uh, and, and, and that's, that leads me to the, the other one of two things. If you don't keep winning at that rate, if it does take a minute to get back to where you have been, that, that, that quote is going to get thrown around a ton, uh, whether you hear it or not, if you're Rick Barnes or anybody inside that program, uh, they seem to do a good job of, of shutting out the noise and, and just worrying about themselves. Uh, but that, that, that quote is going to be just kind of sitting there you know, hanging in the ether over this Tennessee basketball program uh, until somebody makes it go away. I mean, uh, if they keep doing what they're doing, that's fine. You, you, everybody just wants to win. Uh, that's the only thing everybody's worried about. Uh, Al Davis said, just win, baby, for a reason. Uh, that quote carries a lot. Uh, and if you do that, it's fine. If you don't, uh, that, 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 that quote's not going anywhere. And I do think, uh, I think he kind of lost, I don't know, know if he lost some of the fan base but he just kind of lost some of the innocence that had been built up and just the feel-good story of this guy resurrecting his coaching career at Tennessee so quickly uh, while Texas is still struggling uh, to find similar success in his wake uh, four years later and now not only has he uh, went out and flirted with another job and interviewed and all that stuff and almost left he's admitted why he didn't leave and it doesn't really sound like it's just because he wanted to stay so uh, it, 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 the money that he's getting and all this stuff, the way he's going to be paid, that ratcheted up expectations. But now you're kind of throwing that quote uh, in a fan base's face and saying, you know, here's something to think about uh, and stew over if, if that success doesn't continue at the, the, uh, the current rate. Yeah, that's what's, what, what makes that whole story one of the more interesting ones that I've come across during my career in this business because – you, you go from just how quickly things change because there's this shock and this panic uh, from the fan base sort of collectively, not everyone, but most people, I think a majority of people, when Rick Barnes is, is saying that he might not be Tennessee's coach anymore or it gets out that he's talking to UCLA and there's a little bit of understandable consternation, all of these things, concern. Uh, and then you go from that to this elation that comes from the fact that he's staying. And we're always taught as children that tell the truth. The truth will set you free. Just be honest, and that's always the best way to go about it. 
but if Rick Barnes had just lied a little better at that press conference, um, the whole narrative would be totally different right now. And, and what's interesting is that, that that story took not one, not two, but three really sharp turns in just a couple of weeks, because you go from this fear that Barnes is leaving to this elation that Barnes is staying to now you get this third change, which is this whole, uh, wait, did he really even want to stay? Uh, or is he settling for this? Or and, and whether that's fair or not, let's be honest, that's not something a coach says very often. And so people are going to think, wow, he must really mean that. And I, I try to relate things to, you know, because what, what we do in this business, we, we sort of throw emotion out of the window and we just sort of objectively cover things. But I think it's good for sports writers to be a fan of something, not the team they cover, but but of something else in sports because it's good to have – it helps you understand the fan mindset a little bit better. It keeps you sort of connected to the, the fan side of sports. And so with me, it's the Chicago Cubs, it's Arsenal. I know, Grant, with you, it's you know the Braves, Blackhawks, Bears, Crystal Palace, and, and you've got your teams. And so I try to think of things through that prism. And if I had a coach, say, a Chicago Cubs coach or manager say – you know what, I'll stay here in Chicago, but, you know, if, if the Yankees had paid me a little bit more, I probably, I probably would have been there. They just wouldn't pay the buyout. Uh, I think of that as a Cubs fan. I don't think I would care as long as he won. But the second he stopped winning, I would start throwing all that back in his face, and I would be really not happy about that. And that's why I think probably a lot of fans will do exactly what you said, Grant. I think that's probably... You know, with the, with the fan base as, as large as Tennessee's, you can't really guess what the entire thing will do because 100% of Tennessee fans never agree on anything ever for any reason uh, except for the fact that they want Tennessee to win and they hate Alabama and, and they hate Florida. I mean, there's a couple things that kind of unite people. But when it comes to personnel decisions, coaching decisions, um, just, just sort of on the fly how things go in the course of a game, people never agree on these things. But I think more people than not will probably – just kind of kick this under the rug unless they don't get the chance to. Unless Tennessee starts losing, in which case all of this will come back and it will blow up in Rick Barnes' face because he was honest about it. And there seems something, doesn't there seem to be something that's just sort of kind of unfair about that, but but it's the way it is? I mean, yeah, you want honesty uh, until the honesty you don't until it gets to the part where you don't like, like you, you, you want that honesty as long as you kind of agree with what's being said or, or whatever, uh, what's going on. Uh, once that honesty crosses a line to something you're not comfortable with, obviously you start to not like it. And Rick's a, Rick's always been a savvy dude. He's, he's good in front of cameras. Um, he, he knows when to speak his mind. He knows when to kind of, uh, be quiet a little bit and, and kind of hide what he really wants to say, even when he's really aggravated. You know, he, he threw some players under the bus those first couple of years when they were struggling. Uh, and and it, I guess it worked because of the, the way they've kind of turned it around and, and built their culture and got to winning as quickly as they did. Uh, but that just, that didn't make sense to me in the moment. It, it never made sense to me when I went back and tried to kind of look at it, you know, after a little bit of time passed. Uh, you can be honest and not tell everybody every detail of what happened. You can say, I thought about going to UCLA and I decided to stay at Tennessee, uh, and that's that. You're not lying because you didn't disclose anything about the buyout. Yeah, You just didn't tell the 
entire truth. I, I don't think that's semantics or trying to, you know, come up with a different way to say you're lying. Hashtag I think lawyering. You can be honest. I think you can. I think you can be honest without, and, and nobody's going to press you for that in that setting. I don't think. I mean, no. I mean, um, we're going to ask and, questions, and the, but we're not going to just prod. You know. Right, right, and, and we're not going to go overboard, and because, uh, and that kind of gets me to my next point. Kim English is sitting there next to Barnes, yeah. and this is kind of his introductory press conference. A great hire, too. A really, a, really good hire. Right, and, and a dude that, that is a good talker in front of cameras and, and has an interesting story to tell, and he's getting ignored because this is the first time we've talked to Rick since the UCLA stuff uh, happened, and I'm sure there's people out there that are tired of hearing about it at that point and want to move on, but there's a ton of people uh, that want to know the details that went into that. So Kim English is just sitting there getting ignored. And that's why I didn't understand, uh, you know, Fulmer talked an hour earlier before uh, Barnes and English had their kind of split press conference. And uh, it was just a weird setup. Uh, and, and going back, it, it just, it doesn't make sense why you go to that level uh, of detail in what happened because it just puts a sour taste in people's mouth, even though I'm sure people realize it's the business uh, over everything else. The, these coaches, they talk so highly of fan bases and they thank the fans throughout the course of the year, through over the course of their careers. But at the end of the day, uh, they don't have any loyalty to a university. If it's not a university that they attended, grew up a fan of whatever, uh, it's just a business. And, and, and Rick has done a ton in this community and he should be uh you know he should get an ovation for that like the, the emerald youth foundation yes uh, all the stuff he does with them and, and how big he is uh on supporting the youth in the community because of how uh the hickory community supported him the youth center uh when he was a kid and, and needed that support system uh but at the same time everything he's done uh he was that close to picking up and taking a new job and that's not to say all that support would have ended he could have continued his connections with all that stuff and it would have been fine. But, but the overriding thing is it's a business and that's it. Yeah. And, and, and here, here's what's unfortunate about that is that I, I think Rick Barnes means what he says when he says that he feels at home here. I think I know that his wife loves it here. You know, they, 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 they like their, their church community. They like their just community community. You know, they, they love, uh, you know, Rick Barnes, after being so many years at Texas, loves how a fan base is kind of so engaged about basketball and cares so much about basketball and, and shows up and forced to watch basketball games. All of that is something that clearly means a lot to Rick Barnes. That that He's not blowing smoke there. And, and what will be unfortunate is if he, if he were honest, if he were to kind of be the one who had to take the brunt of this uh, when he made the mistake of being honest, which you hate to say make the mistake of being honest, but I think he believes all those things, and I think that he genuinely believes when he said, listen, uh, and this is in his words, that, that, that he said that he kind of was looking for closure from above. Uh, he was looking, you know, for, for the God he, he worships and believes in to kind of show him something. And, and I think in his mind, I think it sounded funny when we heard it, but I think he believed what he said when he said that, you know, he took UCLA not, being, not, not fudging on the buyout as a sign from above that he just didn't need to do that. Uh, and I think he believes that. I think it didn't come off sounding great in that press conference, but I think he believes that. And what you believe is the truth to you. And I think that he does love being here. I think he does love this community. And I hope that that just because he was honest, it, it doesn't kind of kind of soil that. But you know, I mean, if you're a coach, you can you can leave in three ways. You know, you can either 
you can retire, you can die, or you can be fired. One of those three things is going to happen. And you, you know, most of the time it ends pretty badly. So maybe it, it was just going to end badly at some point anyway. But I, I just hate to, to think that someone being honest, even if it's their own mistake, to be honest, is what costs them. Um, and that would, that would be kind of unfortunate because I do think that he does love this community. I really do believe that. I mean, have you ever gotten the impression, Grant, that he has anything other than affection for this place? No, and, and he loves the program, and, and he has nostalgia going back to when his wife Candy was at UT as a student, and, and he would drive over, and, and they would, uh, you know, they saw, I guess it was Ernie Bernie basketball back in that day, that era, uh, and, and he's he's loved this fan base ever since he got here when they were, the, you know, that game he always references as a, a Tennessee State game. Uh, in December 2015 and it was a Tuesday around Christmas time and they had to bump it up to like a a 1:30 start on a Tuesday uh, because of bowl season to get out of the way of a SEC bowl game or something uh, and that was like a 13 win regular season team uh, and they were down like seven at the half against Tennessee State and had to come back to win by five and, and they had like an announced attendance of like 15,000 uh, and that's what he always points to and he circled back to that a million times and the attendance numbers over the years, regardless of the coach, regardless of the situation, uh, have justified uh, a coach bragging uh, on a fan base and on a university for the support. Uh, and yeah, he loves this community. Uh, he's shown that uh, at the same time, you know, if you, if you grow up uh, a fan of a coach in a program the way he did John Wooden in UCLA, I can understand that that draw and that appeal, even if a lot of people right now don't see that program uh, as, you know, what it was at that time and, yeah. and how difficult it would be uh, to get it back there. One thing with Rick, a uh, hundred times he would do that press conference over again. He would say the same thing Yes, because he's confident in himself. He knows the way he's going to handle things. Uh, he's There's very little filter uh, between his brain and his mouth, and it's usually not out of nastiness. He's not trying to uh, rip anybody apart. He's just going to say what he's thinking, good, bad, or indifferent. And a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people stand there and just kind of slack jaw look at him like, did you just say that? And, and he's going to do that, and, and he's going to keep doing that. And he, he hears so very little outside noise. Yes, he, he does. He hears very little of it. Outside, you know, coaches say they get in a bunker or whatever, and they don't hear anything. They're just focused on their team. Uh, that's pretty legit with Rick Barnes. So that quote will get talked about a ton. Uh, win, lose, or draw, that quote's going to be there. Uh, but Rick Barnes is, is not going to change the way he operates, and he's going to do his thing. And, and now he says, as he put it in that press conference, he's in the last chapter uh, of his coaching career. So uh, I would be stunned if, if a situation like this came up again based on his age and kind of where he's uh, – where the trajectory is going right now. But then again, I was I was stunned when – uh, he was, you know, halfway, felt like halfway gone to UCLA. Yeah. And you can, what's interesting is that, you know, you've already seen that, that the VFL film crew has already done the film of Rick going around and driving to all these places that offered him free food. And he's bringing them autographed basketballs and taking pictures. And I don't want to call this some sort of an apology tour, but, but, you know, it's like, they're, it's like they're, they're getting all this stuff out there, uh, because they, they really want to kind of maybe get control back of the narrative a little bit and I don't blame him for that but the the whole thing is, is just interesting to me because it's just so weird that we see someone punished for honesty and, and that's uh, that, that's why I hope at the end of the day people are, are okay with this situation because 
you know, a coach was honest, and, and that's not something that we see very often. What I do think, though, is interesting, Grant, also, is that as much as I'm saying that, that Rick Barnes was so honest during that entire press conference, more honest than he had to be, I, I'm not going to say that part of the things he said weren't true, um, but I'll say this. From everything that I had heard, uh, there really were things that he and Philip Fulmer had to work out, and they both sort of glossed over that pretty hard, hardy during the press conference. And I, I everything that I have heard from from enough people to know, and I'm sure you've talked to just as many, if not more people, have said that there really were things they had to work out there. Now, why would Rick Barnes be so honest about one thing and then sort of maybe gloss over some facts with the other? I, I don't have the answer for that. I don't know that. But I just know that based on what I heard and what I trust that I heard, uh, I think they both glossed over some things in that part of the press conference. Yeah, and, and I thought it was kind of, odd strange whatever that rick kind of brought up the, that situation on his own he wasn't asked about his relationship uh with fulmer and, and he frankly he wasn't asked about it because he didn't really give an opportunity to to be asked about it so early uh in the press conference he just kind of pivoted from a question and, and said you know i've heard or people have told me about the stuff that's out there about my relationship with philip and all that stuff and talked about how you know how close they are and how much support that there's been and and how much Fulmer loves the university and he's trying to get all 20, however many sports they have on campus uh, to a point where they're all, you know, championship contenders and, you know, all that kind of everything in between. Uh, I did think it was funny that he kind of addressed it without having to be asked. That That's not really something I expected going in, uh, but it's something that happened. Uh, and then there's this whole thing, uh, the athletic uh, Monday afternoon, we're recording this Monday night, put out a story, uh, talking about Mick Cronin getting the job at UCLA and kind of detailing everything that went on there. Uh, and the UCLA athletic director said that Rick Barnes reached out to them uh, about the vacancy. And and Rick said during that press conference that the first time he heard about, about that job uh, was the Tuesday before uh, the, the week of the Final Four, leading into the Final Four uh, that Tuesday. So um, that's a discrepancy there. If you go back and ask Barnes, I'm sure he would say, well, uh, I didn't contact them. They contacted me, and it would be kind of a you know a battle of words, whatever. Who knows what the truth is? But uh, it's interesting to try to kind of weigh that dynamic and and what's going on or what went on with him and Fulmer and, and kind of where they are. And, and again, I thought it was strange that you're having a you're having a press conference with your head coach uh, who decided to stay, and the athletic directors uh, having the same press conference 45 minutes before, and, and that could be completely reading. Uh, in between the lines when there's no need to do that. That could be scheduling. That could be whatever. But uh, it, it's just been a strange situation from the jump, and it was a strange situation uh, sitting here today until through that press conference and a week later and just kind of kind of where the reaction's been. But, you know, he's your head coach, and he's probably going to be here until he retires or, or, like you said, gets fired or uh, I don't think we should talk about the third one because that would take the podcast to a dark place. Yeah, that would that, that would take it to frown town pretty quick. But but yeah, I don't I don't know if we have the uh, the the sad music queued up for for that right now. But but I I do think, and I wanted to mention that a little bit because there can be times where people remember things differently. <coughs> Excuse me. There can be times where different people you know remember things a little bit differently. But there definitely were some discrepancies there, and I think it was interesting. First off, there were things about this situation that never really added up, uh, and, and one of them to me from the beginning, which seemed very, very odd, 
was that we know UCLA had discussions with John Calipari's people. And to even get John Calipari considering to, to leave the University of Kentucky, you would have to pay a huge chunk of money. And that's not for his salary. That's just to get out of that contract. And then after that, you would have to pay him a ton of money because he's currently the highest paid coach in college basketball. For then UCLA to turn around, just like a week or two later, week and a half, however many, however much time it was, and say that they're they're willing to pay upwards of five million dollars a year for Rick Barnes, uh, and that they they're going to haggle over a five million dollar buyout. That seems like a really weird place to draw a line in the sand to me because I've been around this business long enough to know that if you want a coach and you are an athletic department that has any sort of resources and any sort of tradition and any sort of pride and dignity, you will not let a few million dollars come between you and hiring the coach that you want. If you are going to pay him $5 million a year, it makes no sense in the world why you would hassle and haggle and and you would you know say, listen, uh, I'll pay you all this money uh, and I'll give you all this for assistance and all this other stuff, but I will not pay that $5 million buyout. That, to me, seems a little unusual. I'm not saying it's never happened before because you could probably go spend time going through the Internet and searching, and you could probably find some time with some search where that did happen. But it's very rare. And so that never really added up to me. Uh, And then you have that thing come out from The Athletic, uh, which is interesting because Rick Barnes kind of gets skewed a little bit for going out there and being really honest about his press conference. And then the UCLA athletic director comes out there and says some completely different things. And that is a discrepancy that at some point probably has to be corrected. At some point, there, you know, that has to be, I don't know if it's now, I don't know when it is, but at some point we're going we're gonna to ask for answers about that because that's two stories, one or actually one story and then one press conference, uh, that have a pretty large discrepancy about a pretty important fact. And that whole thing also didn't add up. There was so many things about this Barnes to UCLA story that never added up to me, Grant, because there are things that we cover, and we cover Tennessee, so we've covered just about anything you can cover at this point. It's been, oh, so much, so much stuff. So much good stuff, bad stuff, weird stuff. Normally, there's a big difference between something that is crazy and something that doesn't add up because it can seem kind of crazy or be kind of wild, but it can make sense when you think about it. So many things about this situation from the beginning to me have not made sense. And that's where I'm having a hard time. I mean, am I, am I reading that wrong? Is this seem like a, just a normal kind of thing to you or are there things about this to you that just don't add up either? No. And, and there were a lot of other details, um, from that athletic piece from the UCLA perspective, uh, that also didn't add up. Um, they, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk with Mick Cronin in that story, uh, and I should credit the author, but it's escaping me. I, I don't know if it was Seth Davis. I, th- I think it was Seth Davis, yeah. Or somebody else. Regardless, uh, basically, Mick Cronin said, obviously, they fired Steve Alford, uh, I believe it was December 31st. Yep. So that job has been open literally for months and months and months and months. Uh, and the way Mick Cronin made it sound like there, there was kind of contact then when that guy, when he got fired, like, just sit tight we're going to come back around to you. Uh, and when the league started happening with Calipari, um, with Jamie Dixon, with Rick Barnes, uh, they, and there was a quote from Mick Cronin and he was like, everything, 
they told me everything that was going to get leaked, just sit tight. You're still the guy, whatever. You're still, we're still interested. We still want to talk. Uh, this is kind of the way we wanted to work through this. The, the AD paints this picture that, that that coaching search, even though it kind of mirrored the twists and turns of Tennessee's football coaching search, football search that led to Jeremy Pruitt, they're, they're painting this picture that everything is just happening as they want it to happen. Uh, they're just taking the next step, the next step, the next step. Which is just so um, unbelievable to me. Right, right. Because you're, you're landing on Mick Cronin, which is a good basketball coach uh, and a guy that's done a lot at Cincinnati. Yes. But you're also swinging at John Calipari, who makes more money than God and has a contract that has a buyout that would be more expensive than God. And then you're going to... Uh, Jamie Dixon, who has an $8 million buyout, and you're almost getting to the point where you can hire him, and then it falls apart because of that buyout. And then you go to another guy who's turning 65 uh, this summer who looks like he's in you know, the twilight of his coaching career, and you're trying to hire him to rebuild your program to what it was. Uh, and he's got, and, and you're, you're doing all this knowing he has a $5 million buyout, and this just fell apart because of the buyout with Jamie Dixon and it happens again. And then you call Mick Cronin the next day and you say, you want the job. And the story says he immediately says, yes, he signed a memorandum of understanding. That was it. He had a million dollar buyout. Boom. He, he went home and packed. Uh, he was on the plane uh, for his introductory press conference. So, so a lot of kind of the pieces that were trying to be put together there, it's really hard to believe that, that this thing just kind of happened uh, the way it did. Yeah, you know how you make a cheeseburger seem not as good uh, when you tell somebody they're going to get a steak beforehand. That That's one way to make a cheeseburger not look good. Because if you just go somewhere and you're like, I'm going to go get a cheeseburger, and then you get one, you're like, hey, that's awesome. Uh, but if you go somewhere and then they say, hey, we're going to give you st- we're going to give you a, a filet. We're going to give you a bacon jalapeno wrap filet. It's going to be medium rare, just perfect. Everything's great. And, and then you go... And then they give you a cheeseburger. You go, well, wait a minute, hold on. This isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Why would you go swing publicly for all these people and have all this stuff leak if you knew the whole time you were going to go get Mick Cronin, where if you had just hired him at the beginning, it would have been a pretty good pretty good hire. No one would have complained. Because uh, I'll be honest, if Tennessee had uh, had lost Rick Barnes, Mick Cronin would have been one of the top three or four on my list from the beginning of guys to go look and get. So I agree. I, I mean, I, I think that, that that would have been, you know, that, that to me is bizarre because what does the only way this maybe adds up to me, the only way that I can maybe sort of justify, you know, trying to put all these pieces together, because let's not let's not deny that UCLA would want things to be would want a story that made it look like they knew what they were doing um, if, if they didn't have something else. You know that 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 that's that's in their best interest to put forward a story saying that this is what we wanted to happen. It happened just like we planned. We were sitting there plotting this thing the entire time, and it went perfectly. That that's the story that if you're an athletic director, that you want out there after you hire a coach. You want to control the narrative, and you want people to think you knew what you were doing the entire time. And I don't believe that in this case. But but one thing that maybe I could see is that they were really high on Mick Cronin from the beginning, and they really liked him. But then Rick Barnes approached them, or somehow it became known to them that Rick Barnes would be interested. And maybe that complicated the search for a little bit because they thought, you know what, we could get Mick, but let's go make sure there's nothing there we can do with the reigning national coach of the year. 
Okay, I, I can buy that. That part I can understand. So maybe someone close to Rick or someone else to give Rick some deniability comes out there and says, you know what? Hey, Rick would be interested. Uh, and, and maybe that means Rick Barnes said, I didn't contact them first because he didn't. You know, maybe someone else did that for him or, or, or someone let it be known that he might be interested. Or I could see that sort of situation. That to me is what makes the most sense. Uh, and I'm normally a big kind of Occam's razor guy, you know, whatever it seems like it is the case usually is the case. Uh, but in this case, I don't know that. I, I just, to me, that's the only thing where I start piecing this together that would make any kind of sense. Yeah. And, and the best part about college athletics, uh, there was, I mean, there was a thread on our board, uh, talking about the possibility. Uh, I can't remember who reported it. If it, if it just floated up on our 247 site uh, that covers UCLA or for those guys themselves that reported it, that, that maybe Barnes agreed to terms uh, with UCLA, went back to Tennessee, uh, talked, and then went back to UCLA asking for more money. Uh, if so, if that happened, obviously that's a bad look for you, you professionally. Uh, but the best thing about college athletics is that that kind of thing can happen and you can have your coach hired the next day uh, and have an introductory press conference, uh, and everybody moves on, and, and whatever happened, happened, and that's it. Yeah, because uh, you go on to the next day, uh, you have a press conference, and you, you start working towards the next era. Yeah, because our, our and in fairness, our, our, uh, our, our brother slash sister site there at UCLA for 24 7 Sports said from the beginning that if they don't get Rick Barnes, they are going immediately to Mick Cronin next. They were pretty honest about that, and that ended up being the case. So they were all over that one, so good reporting. Um, but it's just there's something that can't be squared away there, and the only thing that makes sense to me is that they did have Cronin in their mind the whole time, but then something else came up, and they thought, hmm, well, maybe we could take a look at this. But what also interests me before we move on and, and get out of here is that, again, you heard it with Dixon, you heard it with Barnes. What is it about the buyout? Why, if you will, if you will pay so much money for some of these coaches, why is the buyout your thing? Why is the buyout the thing where you're like, no, I draw a line in the sand here. I just, you know what, I'll pay you all this money, um, but but I'm but but I'm not gonna. You know, I'm just not. I'm just not going to pay that buyout. That's. I don't know if that's a point of principle for them or what that is, but that's that's unusual. Yeah, it's it's uh, it just I don't know the whole situation. The more I try to think about it, and the more I try to make it make sense uh, from either side, either perspective on this. Uh, no, it just it just, it doesn't make sense. It hasn't made sense from the jump. But the best thing about this is. Uh, hopefully it never has to happen again. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we don't get caught at uh, 8.30 on a Sunday night when we're trying to relax uh, and, and Rick is floating his name out there or they're coming to get his name or whatever uh, as a serious candidate for another job. Because when I, when I took him, uh, when I heard him say, I'm in the last chapter of my coaching career, I took that to mean uh, that's it. He stayed put. That was the only kind of program that could come try to get him uh, that he would think about leaving. So uh, from there, uh, you you turn forward to kind of what you have to do next. And I thought it was kind of odd that, that Philip Fulmer said in his press conference that he made a re- remark about recruiting and how they're going to recruit at a level uh, that's never been seen at Tennessee, I guess, in terms of the basketball program. It's not often you, you hear an AD say something like that. Uh, but when you get the, mo- the money that this staff is getting, uh, this coach is getting, you're going to expect those uh, – 
those elite expectations. So so here they go. And uh, here's also Crime Dog's weekly appearance on the shout out Crime Dog. Shout out Crime Dog. He always, he always comes in for the later segments. Yeah, he used to start early on. This time it took him a full 38 slash 39 minutes to make his appearance. But I'm telling you, when he starts doing this. He's going to be doing this for a while unless I hit pause and go outside and start yelling, and then maybe it would stop for a minute. But I don't really want to do that right now, so we're just going to let him kind of play out the string and do that. But before we get out of here, Grant, I, I do I do want to say again that we are going to com- we're going to keep track of this story. Hopefully we don't have to cover too much more of it because, you know, these things are great for business, I won't lie, but when you've been through as many of them as we have, they just kind of stop being interesting and they go, oh, this just sucks. Uh, no, no more of this, you know, and every time you think you're going to go have an off season where it doesn't happen, it clearly happens. So uh, shout out to that. Also shout out to Philip Fulmer for, uh, for getting through the Kelly Harper, hiring a lady Vols basketball coach while retaining Rick Barnes. That's a one hell of a juggling act. Uh, that, that was quite the interesting 48 hours for him. Uh, and he got through that before we get out of here, Grant, I do want to mention that the, the Kim English part of the press conference, because if they had done separate press conferences and just let Tennessee media focus on just the hire of Kim English, that's really good PR because I think that is an exceptional hire. I think this is a guy who's going places in the business, former Mizzou player. Uh, he was a coach at Colorado. He played in the NBA. He, he's been, he's lived kind of all over the country and all over the world playing basketball and uh, has a lot of connections to a lot of places. And he is a really impressive guy when you talk to him, you know, and, and I think that this, this shouldn't get lost in the shuffle because we're talking about all the craziness of Barnes because in that same press conference, we got a taste of Kim English. And I, I got to tell you, I, I was impressed as I thought I would be. This guy, this guy sounds like he gets it. Yeah. And, and it's kind of crazy. I think crime dog hates Kim English. So yeah, as soon as we start doing like, like he's just going, I don't know what he's seen out there. It might, it might be Gary. He's barking at, it might be, I don't know what it is, but he is, he's angry right now. It's kind of depressing that Tennessee has a uh, assistant basketball coach that was born in 1988 uh, and is kind of here doing his thing. I mean, that, that's going to make a lot of people feel uh, really old, but he's a 30-year-old guy, and, and he can connect. Uh, you would assume he can connect with players uh, as well as anyone because he was in their shoes uh, a decade ago. He was he was getting recruited at Tennessee by the Pearl staff, uh, Steve Forbes and Tony Jones and those guys. Uh, when they were going after, I think it was Elliot Williams and Scotty Hobson, uh, and obviously they ended up with Scotty Hobson, uh, and that was that. And, and Kim had a really, really good career at, uh, at Missouri and, and won a lot of games, beat, beat Barnes in Texas five times in six games. So uh, this, this staff got a whole lot younger, uh, and we'll see what happens. Mike Schwartz should get that associated, uh, associate head coach position. Uh, and we'll go from there. They need to keep recruiting because they got a ton of kids out there in the 2020 class that they're swinging for. Yeah, and as much as as much as Tennessee's going to to miss uh, Rob Lanier, and I, and I think Tennessee genuinely will miss Rob Lanier in some areas, this staff did get a lot younger and more vibrant pretty quickly, didn't it? I mean, you you know, because basketball coaches or staffs are not like football staffs where you know you got like an army of people. I mean, you got three full time assistants, you know, some some grad assistants, a video guy. And then, you know, a couple other guys like that. But really, basketball staffs are, are significantly smaller, as they should be, uh, with, with the fewer scholarship players. But, you know, staffs can change pretty quickly just with one hire. And all of a sudden, Tennessee staff just looks completely different now, even though it's really just one guy. It's, it's crazy how stuff like that happens. Yeah, and, and Rick was asked about that, that age thing, if he wanted to get his staff younger with that hire. Uh, and he said no, he didn't really think about it until he actually heard that question. Uh, and phrased it the way it was phrased. 
Uh, I think he just knows guys. Uh, he's he's been in it long enough. He he moves fast when he has an opening on his bench. Uh, with Kim English, it was a guy that he got to know three or four years ago, uh, kind of more on a personal basis uh, at the Peach Jam and, and kind of out on the road recruiting and, and going to dinner and stuff like that. Obviously, he coached against him when Kim was playing at Missouri, and Missouri was still in the Big 12. Uh, but he kind of just meets these people out and, and kind of gets to know these coaches uh, uh, when they're recruiting, you know, on the road in the summer and all that stuff, AAU circuits, and he kind of files it away. Uh, and he circles back to him. And then Kim said he thought he entered the kind of Rick Barnes family uh, when when Frank Haith got hired at Missouri. I think it was for Kim's final year at Missouri uh, because Frank obviously was an assistant under Rick during the early years at Texas. So uh, Rick knows who he wants to go for, and uh, and he usually gets those guys, and they make it happen quick. So he got a, he got a guy in there quick, and, and we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, I think that that's probably, that's probably a uh... – a fair way to put it. I think that that's a fair way to go. I also wonder to be a fly on the wall of what, what Kim English was thinking his first Tennessee press conference being that one where Rick, where Rick Barnes says, Hey, I, they paid me more money. You know, they paid the buyout. I would have gone to UCLA. I wonder, I wonder what the new coach is thinking when he hears that. That's, Oh, to be a fly on that wall of what's actually going on inside his head. I actually, I actually thought about that. And he was, I think if I'm Kim English, I'm sitting there thinking, well, if I wasn't sitting here in Knoxville right now, I'd be sitting in Los Angeles listening to him at his intro press conference uh, in L.A. about to join the UCLA staff. So it uh, probably wouldn't have been a, a huge uh, adjustment for him. He was going to be moving either way. Well, either one, well, he's going to have to have a few warmer clothes here. I think that's going to be the, the difference. Uh, not quite the Colorado winter that, that he's going to be getting here in Knoxville, but uh, there is a little bit of a winter here, so he will have to adjust to that so grant i think i'll go ahead unless you had anything else you want to throw in there i'll uh, i'll let you go and wrap this thing up i never have anything <laughs> that's that seems fair enough well ladies and gentlemen that was grant ramey and you know what guys i'm going to say this again i say this all the time and i mean this i really do mean this thank you for listening thank y'all for being here every week we really appreciate it we do not take it for granted uh, we see the numbers, we see people listening to this, and, and we, we do appreciate it. It always means a lot to us. And if you want more of this, you can go get all of it at GoVols247.com. Let me circle back to that in just one second, because I will say that you can get to all of us on social media. I am Wes Rucker 247 on Twitter. That's W-E-S-R-U-C-K-E-R 247 on Twitter. Uh, Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey, G-R-A-N-T-R-A-M-E-Y. On Twitter, Patrick Brown is pbrown247 at Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan247 on Twitter. Not the Tampa Bay Lightning Ryan Callahan. He'd probably be a little bit cooler. We've got the 24-7 Ryan Callahan, and, you know, we deal with him. It's okay. He's Ryan Callahan247 on Twitter. You can also get to all of us at twitter.com slash govals247 if you want just the, the news, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, sir. You can go there and get that. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash govals247. Again, facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, go to govals247.com, the best website on Al Gore's internets. You can get all the Tennessee news you want, Tennessee football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, women's basketball, softball, recruiting for all of those sports, a little bit of everything and shout out to Tennessee, to Tennessee baseball right now. Those guys are those guys are having a good season, up to 500 in the SEC, uh, near the top 15 nationally now, I would imagine. So, good, good week 
for those guys. Swept Kentucky on the road. They've won five of their past six, so they're doing a good job. Tony Vitello's guys might even get them on the uh, might even get them on the podcast at some point in the near future. We'll see if we can get that hooked up. Uh, but if you want to read about them, you can go to GoVols247.com. Got a thirty percent off coupon or sale right now going for annual subscriptions we appreciate that you can go check that out uh, govals247.com all of the news about tennessee sports you could want and then some until then if you're just listening to the podcast we'll be back in just a couple days with another football one and the world will keep on spinning thanks guys